We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yes, what's good, everybody? Welcome back to Veterans Minimum. I'm your host, Nick Dayas. At Nick Dayas 10 is you can find me. Veteransminimum.com is where you can find all things VM. Joining me now, we got to get right into it. As you guys can see, Giants in the playoffs for the first time in six years. My guy, Allen. What's good, baby? Let's go. You on board? <laughs> it's playoffs. Yeah, and everyone knows, if you've been listening to this show for a long time, everyone knows the Vikings are my second team, but look. This Vikings team is very, it's just not very likable. I think they're very fragile. And this Giants team is very inspirational. So uh, I'm on board with Giants. I'm not saying they're my pick yet, you know, because we're going to do the breakdown. But uh, I'm riding with the Giants in terms of fandom this weekend. I will say that. Hey. The Vikings hoodie scarf will be kept in the drawer. Hey, man, listen, I was I was wearing a Falcons jersey for that Super Bowl. I was ride or die with you on that one. All right? I know it's a sensitive subject, but... You know, you got you got to be oh, on board with me for this. And you, and you were wearing the Michael Turner, which is a special one in my heart, man. Which is wild that you didn't give me the Julio jersey, by the way. That still hurts. Uh, I know, but look, Joe hosted the party. You know, he did he did a great job pregame while I gave to Santa Gala. But you know, looking back on it now, I'm just like, ah, I do wish I gave it to you because you are the number one fan that does not reside in Atlanta or have any fandom allegiance to the Falcons. Yo, it's funny because Joey would always end up in all of our fantasy leagues. One way or another, he'd always end up with Julio Jones on his team. Like, like every, <laughs> dude, literally every single year he'd end up with Julio. And he would try, he knew my love for Julio Jones. And he'd be like, yo, bro, you want Julio? And he'd, he'd send me fake trades with like seven of my best players for Julio. I was like, yo, I'm kind of thinking about it because I need Mount St. Julio. <laughs> But, yo, dude, uh, I always, anytime it's the playoffs, um, I always bring up this story of that time that you text me. We were texting when the Giants were playing the Packers in the playoffs, the infamous boat trip. And you were like, dude, are you hyped about the playoffs, man? It's exciting. And I was like, ah, we're probably going to get smoked. I don't feel that good about it. And you're like, bro, stop being such a 
bitch, dude. Like, enjoy this, man. You're not going to get this every year. And then lo and behold, that was the last time we had a conversation about the Giants being in the playoffs. Yeah, so when it comes to just the aspect of you know, looking at back at 2016, it was like there's only six teams that made it. So you had to realize like you really earned it. Like now, especially with it kind of being inflated with the seventh seed, like you still should have the belief regardless because you know most teams earn it to make the playoffs. Like, so I think if you know, regardless of who you're a fan of, I know it's kind of difficult right now if you're with Seattle or Baltimore or even Miami, but for most parts, like if you're a fan of a team this weekend, just embrace it. Like enjoy every bit of it. And who knows, because you know, we saw a few years ago what Tampa Bay did winning three road games, albeit COVID at the time. But nevertheless, you know, it's just look at sports. You got to enjoy this when your team's successful because uh, the trajectory, you know, you don't know when it could. It's like a roller coaster ride. You don't know when your team could fall off. And you never know when injuries get you. So especially you this weekend, man, enjoy every bit of it. Dude, especially when it's been six years since that happened and you take it for granted, right? Like for the most part, even oh, though. Yeah. Even though when you look at it, I think I think it was kind of clouded a little bit because the Giants did win two Super Bowls. And I know, bro, I know. we I got to see two Super Bowls, and I'm being super high maintenance and, and high standards. But the Giants really made the playoffs, I think, with Eli Manning four times, if I remember correctly. So it just felt like they were in the playoffs more because of the magnitude of winning the Super Bowl. And when they were winning games, it's like they went all the way to the Super Bowl. But, dude, I'm excited, man, for for as much as I've laughed at the Giants with every win that they've had, for the flaws that they have. It's been a really fun season. They're competitive despite all the flaws that they have. Kenny Galladay scored a touchdown. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, <laughs> 72 million for he, one he, touchdown. He, he, it was like 2019. Hey, that but it was right over Slay too, who apparently made the All Pro list. Which you know, we're not going to get the All Pro list, but I thought some pretty questionable choices on that. Dude, right off the top, before we, because we're basically just going to do breakdowns of all of the games. Um, off the top, how many teams do you think can win the Super Bowl? I'm gonna go five. Oh, dude, I was gonna say I think five, bro. I think the answer is five. You know, I really want to believe in Dallas, but they're doing everything possible for me not to believe in them. So to me, it's I think we did the top five a few weeks ago, and it's pretty much remained the same. Chiefs, Bills, Bengals, 49ers, Eagles. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you, man. I want to get behind the Chargers so bad. We'll get to that in a little bit, but I'm worried about the, the Mike Williams thing. I'm worried about some of the people that I'm talking out here, Alan. They're like, yo, the, the professionals love this Jaguars number, and they've hit it pretty hard. And then Dallas, I mean, everyone, everyone knows that. But I do want to get into these games and break these downs. Can, I, can we give one quick shout-out? We give love to America's team. Unfortunately, not in the playoffs, but damn it, they're going to be there in 2023. The fighting Dan Campbell's, <laughs> man, that was one of the most magnificent, most inspiring performances I think I've ever seen on primetime. That second 17, the bubble screen hook and ladder, you could tell how much they practiced that, like how well executed it was. It just effortlessly had it in. And then Penny Sewell just taking on multiple defenders. But this Lions team, they're like the epitome of feistiness and just, oh man, I was very inspired by the performance and, you know, it did bring almost brought a tear to my eyes, but you know, like Jamal Williams said, you know, none but dog on this mug. 
these are gangster tears, right? <laughs> Something like that too. Like, oh man, Detroit. I got to see all those. I wasted everyone's time the last month, Alan, and yours. You got validated when you're like, dude, I don't want to talk about the Packers, bro. They're not for real. Uh, <sighs> me just, again, just making it rain at the sports book with all my, my Packer futures being uh, blown into pieces. But yeah, man, that was, dude, you know what? I think that, that's a big win for the NFL schedule schedule makers because I don't know exactly when it happened, Alan, but I feel like it's been within the last decade that they made week 17, week 18 be division games because the one that jumps out to me most notably was when the Giants played the Patriots in 07. I know I'm going back like, damn, bro, it's been over yeah. like 15 years now, but I remember that being week 17, right? And the Patriots going for 16 and 0, but you were starting to get scenarios where teams needed to win in order to make the playoffs and do or die scenarios. And then what would happen is it wasn't that rivalry, right? Like, you know, these teams are going to get up to like what the Lions said. They're like, look, either we're making the playoffs or they're not. That's what Dan Campbell said going into this game. And when they found out that they couldn't make the playoffs, like that was the model throughout the whole week. And then you saw some of the betting markets have really caught up to that because that line kind of stayed stagnant at around five points throughout the whole week. But yeah, Detroit's going to be interesting, man. We were hyping up. I was I was going back and watching some old clips, Alan, from the stuff we were doing over the summer. And we were talking about how we really like this Lions offense. They have a lot of weapons and they can make some noise. And you got to see like the strength of that team being the, the offense. And you should be excited if you're in that division like moving forward, right? The Lions fans should be excited. The Bears got the number one pick and it seems like they got their quarterback. So, you know, if you're the Bears, you could probably get a fortune if someone falls in love with one of these quarterbacks in the draft and you have all that cap space too. So the NFC North, I think, is going to look really different over the next couple of years, especially with what happens with Rodgers. But we'll talk about that at another time. Yeah, let's have a top five pick as well. That Stafford trade. Yeah. It's worked really nicely for them. Ooh, that's right. That's right. But let's talk about the here and now, man. We got the playoffs. Yeah. We'll go and... What's up? I just want... With the seedings, because we call some effort briefly, like looking at these matchups, do you wish Detroit and Pittsburgh were in over Miami and Seattle? I do wish Pittsburgh was in because of Tua being out. Mm-hmm. I thought it would have been really interesting if Tua played. I was on the pod on Monday with Kenny. Shouts to Kenny, bets big. And he said that he thinks Tua might play. And I'm like, bro, there's no way Tua is playing in this game. And it would have been, dude, if God forbid something bad happened to him, Allen, out there. Mm-hmm. Three concussions in 10 weeks, bro. Like, one concussion a season is devastating. Imagine three, yeah. and you know that the pressure, you, you could have seen the writing on the wall already, right? The, the pressure from the media and, and social media in particular, if they were to announce to a plane, it was going to be bad. And I think they would have, I don't want to say bullied the Miami Dolphins into making a decision and pulling him out of the lineup, but I think it would have ended very, very bad if he was going to be playing in that game on on Sunday. So I'm glad that he's not out there and I'm very excited to see what happens now. But to answer your question, man, I would, the, the NFC, I think whoever was going to be the, the seventh seed was going to get punched in the first round, but the AFC would have been more interesting with, with Pittsburgh because of the quarterback. 
Or you're that much a believer in Pickett. Well, as opposed to Skylar Thompson, <laughs> who's going out there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's what that's what I'm saying. Like, at least you would have you would have the quarterback in place. And yo, I think I think Pickett's gonna be interesting, man. Him and Pickens already have like a great rapport between the two of them, and they got mm-hmm. some playmakers on defense and yeah, it would have been only because Tua is out. That's the only reason why I say that. Other than that, I understood. Uh, I would have went to uh, Tua in Miami. But let's open up with a uh, 7C like you mentioned. We got the Seattle Seahawks going into San Francisco. They are currently a 10-point favorite, the San Francisco 49ers. I got some stats for you, Alan. 49ers quarterback, rookie quarterback, 6-0. They have scored 33 or more points in five of the six games. They're only under 33 points was the Thursday night football game where they beat the Seahawks 21-13. The Seahawks are kind of stumbling into the playoffs. They're three and three in their last six, scoring about 20 points a game. And you're going to be hearing this a lot, Alan. This is one of three matchups this weekend that feature a trilogy in the season. And in this scenario here, it's the only one of the three that the matchup has been dominated by one side, right? The Niners are 2-0 against the Seahawks with an average margin of victory of 14 points in each of those first two games. Start us off. How are you feeling about this one? Uh, look, Seattle has a great story, but they've been, it just, it seems like they can't put together a complete performance like the past month. A Geno's a little rattled. I think lock injury has kind of made dynamic. And then the defense, you're starting to see those flaws. Like they have a great rookie class, but I think some of those rookies have hit the wall. Like you look at Abe Lucas, uh, um, like on the Charles Cross, the tackles, like they're struggling in pass protection. Like if you watch that Rams game, they did not look good at all. And I didn't think they looked that good against the Jets either. So, yeah, I, you don't want to doubt Pete Carroll. And I think Geno's put together a commendable season, but. It's just nothing's really flowing for them right now. And they're playing a team that's just totally dialed in on both sides of the ball. That just got back one of the most dangerous playmakers of the league in Debo. So to me, this is a total mismatch. And I just it's hard to get too amped up for this, even though it is cool to see Seattle in it and look St. Fran's must see TV. There's a interesting narrative in this one. Actually, both. Wow, both of the Saturday games have the same kind of narrative going into it. It's a clash of firsts. Both the Niners, Seahawks, and the Jaguars and Chargers are featuring quarterbacks making their playoff debuts. And rookie QBs are 2-10 and 10 since 2011 when starting or playing a full playoff game. The last person to win that, 11 years ago, Russell Wilson. Ah, uh, against Washington. Yep. That's the, oof, that's the RG3 game. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, so it's interesting because you have, like, the funny thing about San Francisco is they're clearly the best team in the playoffs right now. Like, they're my number one team, top to bottom. The only hesitation everyone has is the quarterback. But the quarterback is 6-0. and Maybe he's not asked to do too much, and he has a plethora of weapons, offensive, defensive line. They'll probably have an advantage over everyone that they play in the playoffs, in my opinion. And you got all these skill position players. You just got Elijah Mitchell back now. So you have a little bit more of a bruiser. And then McCaffrey. And I mean, everyone's been waiting to see Debo and McCaffrey in the backfield. And then you have Ayuk, who seems to have amazing chemistry 
with Brock Purdy. Third downs, he just seems to be going to him. And Kittle is like the best tight end in the league with Purdy. He's just scoring touchdowns every week. So you're right, man. It's hard for us to get excited about this one. I think it's one of my favorite bets on the board. The big number isn't scaring me in San Francisco. Uh, 86% of the money is going on the money line for the Niners, which is obvious. Like, I'd be shocked, shocked if the Niners don't win this game. But they're 5-1 and one against the spread with Purdy at quarterback. And they're at home, too, where they're a beast. They're 8-1 and one straight up at home. So, like you said, man, I think this is going to be one of the games where we don't spend too much time on. Great story for Seattle. I feel like Pete Carroll should be in the Coach of the Year conversation because of what he did. But to me, I think it's I think this is like 31-10 San Francisco, where it's it's just a dominating one side affair. Yeah, the that's like you just and even look at the coach against here. I feel like Shannon usually gets the better of people. Well, like Shannon, he, he just wants to like whether it's the the, the most the you know the the option routes in the backfield because now you're gonna have McCaffrey and Devo, which I love that you mentioned because they could get so creative there. Like, I wonder if Shane's even to whip out the whole playbook for this one, just because I think he kind of knows this is such a big mismatch and bigger fish to fry. But, you know, it, it'll be cool watching San Fran. But I think this game was upon 4.30 Saturday for a reason. You know, it's rare the AFC South did not get this slot. Yeah, this is usually the, the Houston Texans or Colts game, right? Like the last, even the Titans too, like the last couple of years. All right, speaking of AFC South, oh, we're both going San Francisco, right? Yeah, yeah, easy. comfortably, comfortably. Dude, you don't bet at all, like at all, at all. I'll play DraftKings. Like DraftKings. It's crazy, bro, because we've gotten really close, and I can't get you to DGen for nothing. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, but I do judge you. <laughs> I mean, March is coming, so <laughs> yeah, yeah, March Madness. I hope this year you let me know that the team that's going to win the national title. You'll let us know in advance and not just be like, oh, oh yo, the bracket. You know. I remember it was 20 to one. I was like, dude, 20 to one. You knew they were going to win the, the chip and you didn't tell no one. There's money to be made. All right. Speaking of AFC South, right? Hey, we have the Jacksonville Jaguars at home. They are a two and a half point underdog at home against the LA Chargers. The Chargers, sorry, the Jacksonville Jaguars started the season three and seven. Remember, they also beat the shit out of the Chargers, right? That was like, Every year, there's a... Very, very long ago. Right, right, right. This was week three or week four, but it was, it was in September when this game happened. But dude, there's always like a handful of games throughout the season that you look back at. I mean, at least I do. And I'm like, how did this team dominate this team? Or just even beat them, right? Like the Jets, as a 15-point underdog at home, beat the Buffalo Bills. You're like, how? How did this happen? And yeah, at the time, the Jets, we didn't know that they'd be as good as they were, but... Still, that was just a wacky game, right? The Jaguars last year uh, basically shutting out the Buffalo Bills, right? It's always, you always have that. And this Chargers and Jaguars game, it's fun to see the rematch because one of the weirder outcomes of this year, in my opinion, Alan, was that game. If you remember, this was the Kansas City game, that Thursday game when Herbert suffered the rib injury. So you had that. Bosa was injured. Keen Allen was injured. And this is the craziest part. Jacksonville's feature back was James Robinson at the time, who had probably like his last good game for the team. So I don't really want to put too much stock into what happened in week three because I did think both teams are totally different. Now, the Chargers, 
Nine of their 10 wins have come against teams finishing the season under 500. Their only win was against the Dolphins in week 14, a 500 side. Are the Chargers a good team or have they just floated by by beating up on bad teams? That's a hell of a question. I'm still trying to determine that because wise, like they are a good team. It's just coaching, decision-making, and I think defensive fragility because they still can't stop the run. And you know, this is the time where that just kind of gets exposed. But look, Herbert, we know how good he is at this point. I think when their offense is firing all cylinders, they're one of the more dynamic units in the league. Like, you know, we'll talk about Mike Williams, but I still think Mike Williams is one of the most dangerous deep threats you'll see. Keenan Allen's getting into a groove. You know, we've seen Eckler week in, week out produce. Um, I, th- I think Everett is still a threat, even though you know the drops he's always seem to affect them. And then the O line's coming scare. So look, this offense is still firing, and we know the star power defensively. It's just the consistency's not been there, and that's why. But they're five seed and deserve it. But there's a reason why people are so pessimistic. Yeah, it's interesting, man, because the Chargers really could go toe to toe with anyone in the league because they have the quarterback in that offense. When it's firing, it's so deadly. And they have Bosa back. They have Derwin James back. And the thing is, is that I still don't trust them. Like that Chargers are going to Chargers thing that uh, shouts to Ke- Kenny King and uh, some of Raider Nation. They they like to expose the Chargers for being frauds. And it's going to be fascinating because, dude, they check a lot of the boxes for a team that I really, really want to get behind now. They got guys healthy. I know Mike Williams is a little banged up, but I ultimately think Allen, I know it's Wednesday, he didn't practice. I think he suits up. It's just, it's just a fascinating matchup because the strength for the Jaguars also is to pressure the quarterback. They're fourth in both hurries and QB pressures. But then you have Justin Herbert, who has the most pressure throws in the entire NFL and has the highest pressure completion percentage in the NFL. So if you're into like the heavy analytics of things, the thing that the Jaguars love to do and do well, it's negated by what Justin Herbert could do. And man, when he's on, like there there are not many quarter, like he's in that conversation with those guys when he's on. And I think you'll be able to tell very quickly, Alan, if he's on, what kind of game this is going to be. Yeah, and let's also mention two factors. You have, besides McCaffrey, the best check-down option, pass-catching back of league in Eckler, and then you have one of the most reliable possession receivers in Keen Allen. So to negate the, the five, six-man blitzes, Herbert has no problem getting the ball to both security blankets that you know they could do wonders after a catch. So you know that is probably a huge benefit to the Chargers. One last thing about the Jaguars. Do you think... I didn't like how they looked against the Titans. I think they got very lucky against Tennessee in a in a big spot. Base it was a playoff game, right? So that was a playoff game for them. Yeah. They were at home. And dude, they got really lucky with the turnover on Dobbs. And then Dobbs, I remember watching that game with my buddy Jeremiah and he was just saying, "Dude, it's coming. It's like he's going to make a mistake whether it's going to be a strip sack fumble or he's going to throw it into, it's just going to happen." It just felt like that kind of game. And I'm a little concerned, man. I don't want to say that that moment was too too bright. Now it's now it's the biggest spot that you could be in right now for this young team. I do think there's a massive coaching advantage for the Jaguars in this game, though. 
Okay, I could agree with that. I just think also keep in mind the Jaguars. They're they're way ahead of schedule. And yeah, we'll talk about the Giants soon enough. But like these teams, let's monitor our expectations. Yeah, they've looked good. They've had a couple of huge shining wins that, you know, we're definitely gonna be excited about. But look, this Jaguars roster is still a work in progress. And yeah, it's disappointing. Lawrence missed about three throws that could have definitely made this a double digit game looking back on it. Like there's some uncharacteristic mistakes on his part and I think that secondary is still a little like it doesn't add much. Like I think you could really get that secondary. So look, Jacksonville. I think let's temper expectations. The work in progress. Who do you got in this game? This is probably the second hardest game to call. Um, I'm gonna go with the Chargers just because I trust them more, which I know is very bizarre to say, but I think getting Bosa back is such a huge advantage because with Bosa and Mac, you could get a Jacksonville's all line. They, their all line is average at best and I just think with their array of playmakers with Eckler, Williams and Allen, I just think the Chargers have too much firepower. So I'm going to go with them even though coaching wise I am a little concerned because like you said, you know, Staley, Lombardi I can never trust them and look Doug Pearson always has four or five tricks up his sleeve and I could see Etienne exploding in this one. He is someone that it wouldn't surprise me if he had like 150 total yards. Teams that won the regular season matchup cover and win close to 70% of the time when they meet in the playoffs in that same season. So it's not really an outlier if the team pulls the surprise win in the regular season. They tend to win again in the playoffs. To me, heart and brain both save the Chargers. Heart and brain both say I might be very disappointed come Saturday. I think this is this is the game I'm having the most trouble with. Like, full transparency, I'm not betting it. Everyone knows I'm financially invested in the Chargers from August. I would probably bet the money line than I would on the spread. I think the minus two and a half is super duper wacky. And I feel like they're just baiting you and they want you to take either direction. So... To me, I think the Chargers win this game. I'm setting myself up for disappointment, as I will in a game we'll get to in just a little bit. But I also think, bro, like, I don't know if you do this, dude, when you're trying to make predictions. Do you also pick with your heart as far as what you want to see later down the road? Like, Chargers-Chiefs would be such a better matchup and more realistic that the Chiefs can lose as opposed to, like, bro, if the Jaguars beat the Chargers, it's probably a nine, they're a nine point underdog going into Kansas City. Whereas if the Chargers beat the Jaguars, it's probably a three and a half, point, four point spread. And it's like a closer game. And we've always said Chargers Chiefs is such a banger of a matchup. Like it would just be more fun as a pure football fan that I am. I would rather see Chargers Chiefs. So I am rooting for that. And that's what I think happens on Saturday, yeah. Alan. Uh, I'm picking objectively, but I couldn't agree more when it comes to that matchup. Like we've seen the Chargers twice this year and in previous years, like they will take it to Kansas City. Like they, for whatever reason, they just you know they elevate their game, but they also tend to have a really good game plan. Because look, we could criticize Staley, but look, that defense has turned around recently, and you know, he didn't get this job for no reason. Like he did a great job with the Rams. So I'm hoping you know with his coverage disguises, his blitz schemes, he could get the Jacksonville offense because. But there's still, like, even though Jacksonville's played well, like, they still don't really have a number one receiver and they don't really have a guy that can stretch the field. So there's flaw, there's real limitations with what Jacksonville can do. 
you know, they're ultimately relying on Trevor's arm and Doug Pearson's brilliance. And I don't, I don't think you could get away with that come playoff time. So I, I definitely am objectively going to chargers and yes, absolutely. You know, the heart wants to see Mahomes Herbert three. The Miami Dolphins opened up as a 10-point underdog. Some reports came out that Tua might be playing. This is earlier in the week. Dropped down to minus 9 in some places. Now it's back up to 13.5 at the time of recording because Tua got ruled out. The Bills are at home. Bills Mafia is going to be wild. It is a 1 o'clock Eastern time game. This is... A 1-1 on the scoreboard for this series. As we mentioned before, this is the second of three matchups in the wildcard round that feature a trilogy as we head into the playoffs. No Tua, I think this game is ugly. I think the Buffalo Bills are going to be inspired. I could already see DeMar Hamlin being in the crowd and maybe waving a flag or something going out for the coin toss, and I think they're going to be jacked up. I think it's too much firepower that Buffalo has against this Miami team without Tua playing. And this is another game, dude, very similar to San Francisco-Seattle, Allen. that I'm going to watch it because I love football, but I don't expect much from Miami. I think this is like a comfortable three-score win for the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, and it's not just Tua. Like, Terry kills Dealing with knee, Moster has a broken thumb. I don't know what Toronto Armstead status is. You know, stud left tackle. So they're pretty banged up across the board. And their defense is nothing to be all that thrilled about. Like, I think Xavier Howard's having a down year. So, yeah, like I love what Mike McDaniel is doing. I think he's one of the better minds in this league. So I'm interested to see what his game plan is. Like, what can he craft with... Uh, yeah, against all odds, especially against such a well-organized defense in Buffalo. But now this is the Bills game right here. Like, you know, I think this is going to be where you, know, you try to get that comfortability, especially with Josh Allen in the offense, because you know, they've sputtered a little bit. So I think this is a game, good game for them to get in sync and prepare for what hopefully will be, uh, you know, a game that we've wanted to see Bills Bengals in the second round. Yeah, man, it's it's just too much. It's too much. It's unfortunate for Miami. Like, their season was so wacky, bro. Like, they start off 3-0, they go 3-3, three and three, then they win five in a row, then they drop five in a row. It's been just up and down, and I think it's just too much firepower. And look, there's no analytics behind this. There's no data behind this, but you saw what it meant for Buffalo, that opening touchdown kick return last week by Hines and how emotional Josh Allen was on the sideline, how the crowd was. I'm telling you, bro, uh, DeMar Hamlin left the the hospital earlier this week. He'll be in attendance, and, like, they're going to they're gonna run up the score on Miami. Miami is 1-11 in their last 12 games in Buffalo also. I just, I think it's going to be a route, and I think we'll all be looking at our watches and saying, you know what, man, we need, we need this next game to, to start up because it's just going to be too much. By the way, I had no idea John Brown was back on the Bills. Josh Allen threw that beautiful deep ball outside the pocket. Did you know John Brown was back? I had I had no idea, and he went over and he gave the football to the assistant who performed CPR on yes, Demar Hamlin, and that was a, a really cool moment there. Yeah, look, John Brown, yeah. man, he he can he can do that, right? Like he can. They'll, they'll have him come Smoke. in and, yeah, Smokey Brown, man. He'll just come out there and, and run a couple deep routes just to open up the field. And 
I can see this being a big Stefan Diggs game and, and Gabriel Davis could get it together too. Yeah. And I think from watching the Patriots game, like it was really encouraging to see Josh Allen hit a couple of deep throws in stride too. You saw the throw to Brown, you saw the throw to Diggs. It seemed like Josh Allen finally found the rhythm because you know he's been inconsistent this last six weeks. And unfortunately you know, the red zone turnovers still seem to be an issue, but you know, this is the one game where I think, you know, he could take a couple of risks and get away with it. But I think it's going to be important for Buffalo just get more to rhythm because, you know, them in Cincinnati, they're still, you know, there's still who knows what the lingering effects were from what transpired that Monday night. So you know, hopefully this could be a bit of a get right game, even though it does sound weird saying get right game in the wildcard weekend. But you know, that's just how lopsided this matchup is. I totally agree with you, man. And then I think what the the most even matchup, I would say, of this weekend or the most compelling matchup and it, I would agree with that. It, it's, it's the one, it's the one thing that worries me a, a lot. And I predicted this on the Monday show, the New York giants playing Minnesota this week, the giants are getting the same buzz and acknowledgement from the public and a lot of sports analysts on TV. Like the Niners did last year against Dallas. This is the darling underdog pick. And I predicted it on the show on Monday, dude, how people are going to look at the lines and they're going to be like, the only possible upset that they see is this Giants team. Because, yeah, the Bucks are technically an underdog at home, Allen. But, you know, people are going to be like, bro, it's Brady in the playoffs. He's not really an underdog. He's never an underdog. So to me, this matchup between the Vikings and the Giants is the most fascinating game on the entire slate. This game is a rematch in which the Vikings won 27-24 and Greg Joseph hit a 61-yard field goal, which sucked. I was like, bro, like, dude, that's the first time in a long time that the Giants lost a game on a devastating field goal like that when the Giants were still good. You know, like the Giants have been good this year, right? For as much as I have clowned them, like they have a winning record. And I forgot what that felt like to just have uh, a, a machete go right through your heart and then pulled out on a 61-yard field goal, Allen. Yeah, I think you're one of 11 teams to feel that because I just feel like there's so many teams that have played the Vikings this year and felt like, yeah, we're bad in this team and somehow ended up losing. Dude, even the Giants, right? So check this out. This is the highest combined wins of one-score games in a playoff matchup in NFL history. So you're looking yeah. at not only did Minnesota have a wild season in one-score games, so did the Giants, right? So did the Giants. And technically, last week's game against Philadelphia ended up falling as a one-score game. But these two teams, man, are evenly... I think they're pretty even. I think the only difference is Justin Jefferson, which the number one receiver in the NFL, in my opinion, right now. They're even, but in, in a very unique way. So like, I think roster top wise, the Vikings are the superior team, but I think there's a huge coaching advantage with the Giants. That's all I look at because this Giants roster to me is still, there's still some big flaws, even though they are building a really strong young nucleus, like seeing the rise of Andrew Thomas, Thibodeau, Dexter Lawrence to me is the best nose tackle in the league. So we're seeing that. I think Dory Jackson's had a pretty strong year. So um, there's players emerging with the Giants. It's just, I do think Minnesota's built a relatively good roster. It's just, you know, they have their flaws as well, and I'm not sure about the coaching staff. So, you know, this is an even game, but I do think roster-wise, you have to give advantage of Minnesota, but coaching, the Giants make up for it because, you know, I don't think there's any, many better coaching staffs than Giants. 
Dude, how about this? I'll one-up you right now. Giants have the best coaching staff in the NFC right now in the playoffs. I'll say behind San Fran. I'll give you that. I can't go Damn. against San Fran. Yo, you're right. You're right. I forgot about D'Amico Ryans too. Future coach. Yeah. Future coach. You know yeah, what? Besides you're, you're that right. though, I'll, right. I'm, I'm fully with you. I'm fully behind that take. Let's not include San Fran. All right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm bugging on that one. I forgot about Kyle. Yeah. Your boy Kyle. I forgot about him. But dude, this one, Adoree Jackson coming back. Hopefully Leonard Williams suits up. And I think, I think what you're going to see now, dude, if a guy is questionable or if a player is banged up just a little bit, I think if they could play, they will play. It's not, it's not like where, you know, maybe, maybe in the regular season and it's week seven, Adoree Jackson might sit or Leonard Williams might sit. But I think, I think it's like a man, I'm, I'm, I'm personally going to man up and I'm going to play in this game because this is what we played for, right? This is what we wanted to do. If you had to pick, if you had to pick something that was going to decide this game, what do you think it's going to be? Well, first off, I hope the Giants know that TJ Hawkinson is playing this uh, game and cover him this time because it seemed like they just forgot to cover him a lot in that last game. Just too many easy completions. Um, this is going to be a generic answer, but I part of me wants to say Kirk, but I do think in the trenches, both teams have really good D-lines, but offensive lines are kind of questionable. Like, I do think... For all the Vikings defense question marks, look, Zadarius Smith and Dale Hunter, these guys can wreck games. While on the other side, we know Dexter Lawrence and Thibodeau uh, having strong seasons. So I think in the trenches could make a huge difference because you know these teams are going to try to run the ball. They're going to utilize their running backs in the passing game. But come third long, you know, which O-line is going to hold up more because you know Minnesota in particular is looking very sketchy. But they also have game records on the D-line as well. From a betting standpoint, this is a very fascinating game because at the moment you have close to 80% of the money coming in on the New York Giants, but you have 61% of the tickets coming in on Minnesota. I'm surprised by that because these are two polarizing teams from a betting perspective because of how close those one-score games were. But mm -hmm. I think for me, man, I mean, bro, my whole life, the Giants can't cover a tight end. You're talking about like two decades of watching them. The tight end just goes bananas. And TJ Hawkinson really... He's changed the dynamic of that team, man. Having a having a a, a fourth pass option because I've been singing uh, KJ Osborne's praises for for like a year and a half now. I think he's a certified mm -hmm. baller, especially for what they want him to do. They don't need him to go out there and catch twenty pa uh, twenty passes uh, to catch like double digit passes. But yeah, it's like yo, you have that guy in the slot that can make some noise. And Adam Thielen has had a pretty quiet season on his standards, but I think this is going to come down to what's up. He's aging, unfortunately. Yeah. I think the age is getting. He he doesn't create the separation like he once did, but he's still someone in the red zone. He just he he he's there. Yeah, I think man, this is this is a true coin flip, and from a betting perspective, I would just take the three points with the Giants because I think it's going to come down to to one score or a field goal either direction. That's really how I think this game plays out. I hope I hope that the Giants win this game. I think that'd be super cool. But I think that it's going to come down to a field goal in either way. And, and if that's the case, and if that's how you feel, I would take the Giants with the points. But I think based on what we've seen all year from them, dude, like these two teams, it's going to come down to the wire. They both play these, these tough one-score games. And also, you got to monitor the offensive line status for the Vikings. Might be on a third-string center and might be without their right tackle. And 
Thibodeau the last couple of weeks. He might be one of the better rookies pass rushers. And you got Al Jolari on the other side. And then Dexter Lawrence just made a all-pro team. Getting Leonard Williams. Well-deserved. You have, oh, absolutely. Absolutely well-deserved. So, mm-hmm. to me, man, the heart is picking the Giants. I do like this matchup for them. But I, I think I'm going to go with the Giants to win this game and move on. Yeah, so this was the toughest one to predict. If the Giants just had more personnel, like when it comes, especially a receiver, like I think Daniel Jones will make plays, but I just think Jones' tendency to turn over far too much, even though he has gotten better, and the lack of receiving talent, I just think Minnesota has too much star power. So I'm going to go Vikings. I think they're going to squeak it out, but I do think it'll be high scoring. I just think whether it's Jefferson, Zedari Smith, one of those guys are going to make some game-changing play, and they're just going to squeak it out. And, you know, I do want to see Saquon, how many touches he could get. Because we know Saquon could change the game anytime he touches the ball. But I'm going to lean just more on the star power of the Vikings to get through this one. As much as it hurts to say, because I'm enjoying every bit of this Brian Dable era. But I just think they, they still got some work to do roster-wise. So I'm going to go with the Vikings. As far as touches for Saquon Barkley goes, whatever, whatever would be a playoff like record of touches, that's how many you should get. He should, every other play should go to Saquon. Derek Henry 20, 20 playoffs? Yeah. Yeah, like that. Like he needs get, to... What do you have? Like get the 30s. Yeah, like 37 carries he had that one game against New England. Like that. that's what I need from Saquon Barkley. All right. As, yeah. we, as we start to uh, move on to the last two games on the slate, this one would have been so much funner if Lamar was playing. But I don't think he's going to play. It's up to eight and a half points or the Cincinnati Bengals favored over the Baltimore Ravens. And this is a matchup in which the two teams split in the regular season. One of them was Lamar Jackson playing. The second one was last week when the Bengals had something to play for, but also also nothing to play for. I did find it interesting, Alan, that they didn't even suit up Huntley, Baltimore, in that last regular season game. And I think the reason why they did that is because they knew he was going to start. So they didn't want to show anything in this game. Because that's the only reason why you wouldn't play Huntley in that spot. And look, the Ravens are two and three without Lamar Jackson, seven and four with him in the lineup. And they put up 10 more points per game when he is in the lineup. We've talked about how hard of a matchup Lamar Jackson is for anybody when he's on. And in division, I think it's unfortunate that he's not playing. And I wish he would have been playing, Alan, because this game would have been a lot funner. Yeah, if if I could build up excitement for this game, I do think these. Teams legitimately hate each other. Like I watched that last game pretty extensively. You had Roquan Smith throw a ball in Jamar Chase's face. I think the Ravens were really irritated when Joe Mixon pulled out the quarter and did the coin flick as a touchdown celebration. You know, it, it, things got nasty that last game. And I do think this rivalry is starting to pick up because you have the Bengals phenomenal receiving trio, but then you have the Ravens cornerbacks and Peters and Humphrey and they like to talk, they get in your face. So I think the biggest appeal for this game is just the true animosity and the receiver cornerback matches because you know Humphrey and Pierce don't back down. They're going to go at these receivers, even though I just have a hard time believing anyone's going to stop Higgins and Chase just because they're so, you know, they're almost uncoverable. Even when though, even when you think they're covered, they just they're so good at making those contested catches. And we know Burrow's going to throw those goal balls, no problem. So. Uh, you know, good luck to Baltimore. I think they're playing at a top five level defensively, but you know, we've been praising Cincinnati all year and easily so. This is a top five offense that it's hard to contain. 
Yeah, man. And I, I think the only the only hope that I have for Baltimore is they're getting a lot of their pieces back on defense, like in the secondary too. So that, that'll be a fun matchup. I think the defense is going to have to play their A game to have Baltimore stay in this game. I do think it's interesting that the Bengals offensive line might be a little banged up in this matchup coming into it. That's yeah. something to definitely monitor. But again, Cap man. Cap is a big loss. Yeah, Cap is a big loss for sure. Uh, Joe Burrow, dude. Like that, it's a, the, 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 the swag, the charisma, all that. A reporter asked them, do you feel like it's win now because your window is closing as an organization? And he's like, the window is open as long as I'm here. And now it's just like, it. dude, that was just like, I'm leaving that on the table and you, you know, you're going to enjoy this. And this is what you're dealing with for the next decade plus. Like that was such a, such a gangster answer, bro. He, he doesn't miss. You yeah. know, just to use that quote. He he. When does he ever miss, man? He just delivers. Doesn't matter if he's on the microphone, on the field, doing commercials with Kid Cudi. Like he doesn't miss. Bo- uh, Baltimore loses this one. Yeah, it's it, like they're gonna have to run the ball a lot to win this. Uh, maybe get those timely third down conversions of Mark Andrews. Like they gotta make it ugly, but. It's hard to make it ugly against this insane team. I do want to acknowledge, though, I think Roquan Smith has made a huge difference. I think looking back on it, this will probably go down as one of the best trades, not even midseason trades, just trades, period, in the last decade. Like he's really elevated that defense. But look, this Cincinnati offense, they're going to score at least 24 points. And I just don't see how Baltimore gets to 20 points with Huntley playing. Yeah. And I was doing this as you were talking, bro, because he got paid $100 million. Roquan Smith, too. But, dude, like, his numbers, like, their defense jumped first from 16th in DVOA to 7th from the time that he came in. So he's been he's been a massive upgrade for them. I will say that the ugly, gross play of the week is taking the plus 8.5 with the Ravens. That's actually a bet that I've made already, plus 8.5, because it is the third matchup. It is in the division. Like you said, there's a lot of hostility between the two sides. I'm not saying that Baltimore is going to win this game, but I could see like a late touchdown to push it to a seven-point game, something like a backdoor cover kind of scenario. Mm-hmm. But it's it's one that's, you know, it's super uncomfortable, bro, if you walk up to the window and you're like, hey, can I get the Ravens plus eight and a half? But the more I look at it and the more I talk to people and they're like, yo, Bengals are a lock, it's a free bet. I'm like, the more I like Baltimore, man, it's it's not always pretty. A lot of times it's ugly, but sometimes that's the right size. So I'm on the Ravens plus eight and a half, but I do think we get we get Bengals and Bills in a, in a rematch of a game that we're going to rem- remember for a long, long time from earlier this year. Bucks, last game on the menu. Bucks and oh, Cowboys. I mean, bro, look, the Cowboys. Wait for this one. Look, the Cowboys are a two and a half point favorite now. The line opened up at three. It is now down to two and a half. A lot of the money is coming in on Tampa Bay. A lot of the tickets are coming in on Tampa Bay. And I've been talking about how the first round, they're going to get bounced in the first round again. And I feel even stronger as the days go on and as we get closer to this. Cowboys are one in four outdoors on the grass. Dak, since he came back, leads. uh, I think he tied the NFL Interception record, like he he had the most interceptions in the league. He tied for it with another player. And he also missed a couple of games too, which is wild. And he has 11 interceptions from the time that he came back from his injury. And Tampa Bay, I think they're going to be fired up. I think Tampa Bay for a while knew that they weren't going to compete for anything other than division. 
They they rested. They pulled players in that game against the Falcons, as you saw as you were covering that game. And I think like, bro, Tom Brady, Tom Brady, he's never lost to Dallas. Primetime spot, outdoors. I just, I don't trust the Cowboys, dude. I really don't. And I think it's going to be too big of a moment for them. I like that you mentioned the statistic on grass. You know, I don't know how you found out that stat, but I found out through Jason Garrett on NBC. Me too. Oh, props to J- Me too. Oh, okay, so yeah. You know too. Hey, hey, man, people can make fun of Jason Garrett. That was a hell of a stat because it does matter because you look at the edge rushers, like their get off, whether it be uh, Lawrence or Parsons or even Dante Fowler, like it matters going from turf to grass. You look at the timing because Dallas's offense is all about timing. Like you watch the passing game. So I just think the speed changes when you go from turf to grass. So, hey, man, Jason Garrett, man, you know, he's known as the clapper. I'm going to clap for that great stat because I was just like, oh, wow, okay. You know, I think that is that does make a difference. And you look at their losses. They lost to Washington. They lost to Jacksonville. They lost to Philly, Green Bay. The only game they won on grass was against Tennessee, and Tennessee was playing a B team that night. So, yeah, there is a concern. But... I just don't know anyone can be confident in this Tampa Bay team. Like, they've proven nothing this year to me. I think they're old. Um, you could talk about them being fired up, but like, they don't really have the edge rushers. Secondary is kind of allowing big plays. The offense is very much, you want to talk about timing offense. Like, they are a timing offense with no running game whatsoever. So, I just think their lack of speed and just... You just see even their star players aren't quite the same. Like, I, I know Evan just had the big game, but... Who's going up against backups against Carolina? Like, I'm just, I'm not encouraged. Like, this is a pretty ugly matchup, but it is very fascinating just because, you know, both these teams have star power and they have the coaching staffs that make you want to put your head through a wall. I think for me, it comes down to trust. And I just trust Tampa Bay and Brady to figure it out. And I think their defense is you playing. You trust Todd Bowles. You trust Brian Leftwich. Yeah, I trust the quarterback more than anything. All right, man. Like, you know, with Brady, it's like, okay, you could trust them, but it just comes a time like, oh, man, like Tampa Bay is such a frustrating watch. Like, they'll run it on second long. And, like, how many more times do you have to run up the middle with Leonard Fournette to realize you just don't have to run? Yeah. Again? Yeah. But, but on the flip side, do you trust Dallas's coaching staff? I trust Dan Quinn. Dan, Dan Quinn. Dan that's Quinn. Your boy. Oh, oh. Another playoff game against Tom Brady. Hopefully it goes well this time. <laughs> I had to make that right. But no, I will say though, Kellen Moore, I, I just, I never got it with Kellen Moore. Like to me, he calls a game like it's a video game. Like he doesn't know when to exploit a weakness and keep going with it. He always tries to mix it up. It's just like there's times where it's just like keep going to CD Lamb this slot or keep utilizing Tony Pollard as a pass catcher. Like you don't need to mix it up just to mix it up. Like, I think that's where the frustration lies. Like this is like this game's gonna get very annoying to watch because you know these teams clearly have the talent to compete, but their coaching staffs really hinder them. And uh, it, it's 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 a close one. But uh, I think more times than not, this game you're just gonna be shaking your head. Like you know, Mike McCarthy's gonna do something that's just gonna make Twitter explode. Yeah, yeah. Between that and and how Dak Prescott has been playing, I. I feel very confident that Tampa Bay wins by double digits. I have no faith. Yeah, I have no faith in in Dallas, and I think they get, I think they get sent home packing. And I think if it ends ugly, bro, I think if it ends ugly, I think McCarthy gets let go too, despite the season that he's had. Like I'm talking about like if see. it's if it's catastrophic and they get they get they lose by two touchdowns and he has like a crazy time management issue at the end of the first half, like you said, and. 
Twitter's going bananas. You know, Jerry Jones is going to have to answer about that. And if, if the offense is just completely inept, I think it could be something where, yeah, sure, you won 12 games, congrats, but you end up, you end up getting bounced in the first round like that. And it's also national. This is, this is the Monday night game, right? So this is Monday night football. Aikman's on the call. Aikman's on the call. And you know, he holds no remorse when it comes to that kind of stuff. So yeah, man, I just like, look, I, I don't like how Dallas has been playing. I know Tampa Bay isn't exactly firing on all cylinders, but they're at home. And I've been, I've been talking about Dallas losing in the first round since November. And I'm not going to back down now, especially with how they're playing coming into this one. So this is either going to age greatly because, you know, I'm going to resurface these clips that I've been saying from back in November. Or it's going to be like one of those things where it's like, is this you? Is this you, clown? So we'll see, man. But I think Tampa Bay wins by two touchdowns. So you would advise Sean Payton, 2 a.m., keep your phone on. You probably can get a phone call. Yeah. Yeah, like right that that's been that's been the 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 I know we floated around the LA Chargers and we fo- floated around a couple other teams, but I think the one that everyone was expecting is like, all right, man, McCarthy's just keeping the seat warm until Sean Payton yeah. comes on in. It, it's just so disappointing though, because like for the first three months, they really look like a Super Bowl contender. Like Dallas put together so many good games. Like defensively, they look like arguably the best in the league, and now. They're allowing Sam Howell and Dobbs to put together functional performances and you know, Dax turned the ball over a lot. So it's just, it's really unfortunate how Dallas went from like one of these truly terrifying teams that could beat you in so many ways to, you just don't know what to expect at this point. But look, man, I'm going to bank on Parsons having a huge game. CD Lamb, Tony Pollard, I think those guys could still break open a game. I think Dan Quinn's going to bring some funky stuff for Brady and I just look bulls and left, which they are so uninspiring as a duo. If Bruce Arians is coaching this game, I think I would consider Tampa. But no, I'm I'm still going to bank on Dallas, and I'm confident doing it too. I'm going with the Cowboys. All right, we'll see. We'll see. It should be that's fun. A, that's a big one between us. That's a big one between yeah. us. I know. I know we're different on Vikings Giants, but that's slightly like to me. I'm you're fully on Tampa. I'm fully on Dallas because I'm just sick of Tampa and. You know, I just think Dallas, they're too good to get bounced again. They just, it can't, it can't happen. Until proven otherwise, that's where we're going, <laughs> baby. That's where we're going. I want to just recap real quick. I got the Niners covering comfortably. I got the Ravens plus eight and a half. It's the ugly play of the week, but that's the one that I'm going with. Like the number, not the team. I got the Bills minus 13. Chargers minus two, though I'm not betting it. Uh, it's just what my pick would be. Taking the points with the Giants, and I'm taking the points with the Bucks, and I think the Bucks win outright. And then next weekend would be a lot of fun matchups in the NFL playoffs. I'm glad we're riding with the Chargers. I feel like we've, we've spoken up the Chargers so much, yeah, it'd be bro. disappointing if we fade them. So at least, at least we got that going for us. Besides, look, we got some truly lopsided matchups, but you know, I do think the NFC, the, the two ladder matchups, will bring the entertainment and probably some frustrating moments because let's not forget Kirk Cousins is playing a big game. And mm-hmm. look, I know you want to get behind Danny Dimes, but I'm, I don't think anyone's fully convinced about Danny Dimes yet. Hey man. And listen, this is a primetime game for Kirk Cousins. It's the only game going on, right? I know it's the early window, wow, but it's the only game going on. Oh man. If, if it was under the lights, I, I would seriously consider yeah. reconsider my pick. For, for all of you listening, thank you for the support with the show. There is a playoff challenge. That is up right now. We got about 40 members in it. 
It is a free entry and it's free money, $500 to the winner. You got to just pick all the games against the spread from wildcard round until the Super Bowl. The link will be in the bio of the episode. Click on it. It was open to all the members of the Patreon first and in the Discord. And now it's open for everyone that listens. So again, there's no catches. There's no hidden fees. I sound like a disclaimer for like a sponsor or something. <laughs> but yeah, man, it's just been, it's been a really cool year. It's been a really fun year and it's a way to give back to everybody. So just join that contest. Like I said, it's free to enter and it'll be fun to monitor some of the picks that everyone makes. So with that being said, at Nick Deus 10 is where you can find me. Alan, where can they find you? Alan Stark, that's A-L-L-E-N-S-T-R-K. Enjoy what is always the most eventful weekend of the football season. It's not the best quality, but it's the most eventful. And if you're listening to the show, tag us on social media outlets and also check out the conversation from the Monday episode with David Meltzer. That was really fun getting some good feedback on that. We'll catch you guys next time on VM. Property bills, 